Space Jam A New Legacy has the main cover story in Entertainment Weekly. Lola Bunny has stirred up controversy due to being less sexualized. And Pepe Le Pew has been canceled. So, of course, you realize this means podcast. Are you ready, eager young space cadet? Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. I'm your host, Jonathan Graves, and with me today, I am super thrilled to have back on the show the very talented singer-songwriter, Raina Mora. Can't wait to hear your opinions on all these topics. Yes, I have tons of them. <laughs> awesome. How are you doing today, by the way? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to be here and talk to you guys because I'm really excited for the new Space Jam. Yeah, there's so much to look forward to, and the pictures of the film look so cool. And also with us today... Uh, John Carmack is here. He is the CEO of Vegify app, and he's here to bring some more insight into everything we're going to talk about. And I cannot wait. He's also a big fan of Looney Tunes. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. I got to rewatch Space Jam and call it work. So I'm, I couldn't be more excited. Doing really well. <laughs> what is your history with Looney Tunes real quick? Uh, did you grow up on the franchise and uh, did it leave your life and then come back like most of us or has it just stayed around with you peripherally well if, uh, if you want me to go first um sure. i uh i was a huge space jam fan um so much so that as i was telling you before um the first song that i ever performed at a talent show was i believe i can fly <laughs> so yes. i'm a huge uh space jam fan and also a taz fan um i just love taz and i think i just grew up on it and um, it was my childhood and, and still to this day, I love it as an adult and I don't mind rewatching all these characters again. Awesome. John, what about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I always sought out the, the Bugs Bunny cartoons on Saturday morning when I could find them and Cartoon Network did a marathon and like I made sure to record like the whole 24 hour day so I could just always be watching uh, Looney Tunes cartoons. Uh, nice. I, I, I probably went to maybe three different birthday parties that were Space Jam birthday parties. So yeah, it, it was uh, omnipresent in my life practically. Uh, <laughs> and, and so get, getting to come on and, and, and talk about it is uh, my idea of a good time. So I appreciate the invite. Awesome. Yeah, my yeah. pleasure. I'm excited to talk about all of the news. But first, I want to throw some congratulations to some Annie nominations that were given to the Looney Tunes cartoons team members. One went to Jim Soper for character design. And I don't know if you've seen his work on that show, but he has a very strong ability to channel the retro and mix it with the modern to give us a new Bugs, a new Daffy, a new Porky that looks so much like their 1940s and 50s counterparts that it's insane. And he did the same thing with Tom and Jerry recently on the new shorts. It's just it, it's incredible work, and I'm so glad he's being recognized for it. And the other nomination went to Andrew Dickman for Storyboard Artist. And he, his work and making the jokes land is also phenomenal. It's just firing on all cylinders, and he has a really good sense of comedy, and it comes off across in his art. So 
both of those, congratulations for your nominations. And I hope Looney Tunes cartoons get some more in the future. Everyone is doing a really great job over there. And um, I, I can't wait to talk about the next batch and the next cartoons that we get to revisit from Looney Tunes cartoons. However, we are going to stick to some some more classic era Looney Tunes with today's discussion because we are talking about some really strong and possibly controversial topics uh, regarding Pepe Le Pew, but we'll get there. We'll get there. So first of all, uh, Space Jam A New Legacy had the cover story on Entertainment Weekly. We were given new photos, new information, interviews with LeBron James and Malcolm D. Lee. And I just, I can't be more excited for this film. Uh, what was your general takeaways from this article? I, it got me really excited for the film. Uh, the, the Talking about uh, how, how LeBron has been uh, brushing up on his acting uh, was, got me kind of excited uh, because Michael spent very little time delivering any kind of like emotional weighted lines during the film because he's a really good athlete. He's a really good basketball player and he was training to get back into the NBA. He probably didn't want to spend a ton of time with an acting coach. And so this, the, with the new movie with LeBron wanting to kind of flex his muscle a little bit and he's got a little more experience in film, I'm kind of excited to see what he can do. I, I, I look forward to seeing, you know, what this brings out. It's a kid's movie, but that doesn't mean it can't, you know, bring emotional weight. So I, I, I look forward to seeing uh, how they deliver on that. Uh, I didn't know Don Cheadle was going to be in it. I'm so excited about that. That's going to be great. Um, yeah, I, I, the, the movie looks really, really good. I, I had no plans to see it, and now I'm definitely going to. So I, I'm, I'm glad you invited me into this conversation because it's got me looking forward to a movie I really hadn't thought much about until a few days ago. Awesome. Raina, what about you? I'm really excited. I love LeBron James. I loved him in Trainwreck. I think he was awesome. So good. So funny, um, unexpectedly so. Um, and even when he did SNL, he was great. I mean, it's just, it's, it's exciting because he's a, one of our best athletes of our time and in this generation. I think it's also opening a new generation up to the Looney Tunes franchise and hopefully making room for, for more Looney Tunes. Um, and also I love that they're gonna be visiting the WB lot and we're gonna see unexpected characters. We don't know, maybe in the audience um, and uh, beloved characters. So I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, for sure. And John, you were talking about uh, the the emotional depth that we're going to get from this film. And LeBron even said that this film has heartstrings and they're going to be pulled. Like it's, I think this film, and I mean, Don Cheadle has said this as well in this article that this film is better than the first Space Jam. And as a movie, I can definitely see that. But as a, like putting on my nostalgia goggles, it's going to be hard to hard to match, you know, what we felt as kids for that first one. And obviously, Michael Jordan has, you know, uh, big shoes to fill. And I feel like there's no other athlete that I would want in this role than LeBron. I think LeBron brings some gravitas to it, but also, as Reina was saying, the the comedic and acting chops that he has shown in the past, I think they're going to come out and just blow people away. So yeah. I'm really excited about that as well. Agreed. Agreed. And I think it's, 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 it's high time. We needed, we needed. <laughs> I know I don't, I'm not a fan of reboots, but this one I'm really excited about. Yeah. Same. Uh, so some of the, some of the quotes I want to bring uh, to everyone's attention 
are as follows. Uh, LeBron said the Goon Squad, which is going to be the team going up against the Toon Squad in this, is probably the best team ever assembled in basketball history. And LeBron is going to be competing against them. So who, who could we possibly, from the Warner Brothers lexicon, bring into a Goon Squad or who do we want to see? Just if you want to throw out a name or two. Uh, the, the Goon Squad. Um, I know his son is probably going to be on the Goon Squad because he's rivaling his, <gasps> I believe. Oh, no. Don't do that. <laughs> his son is going to be on the Goon Squad. That's like my prediction, and I think it's pretty solid. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Going up against his son. Oof. Definitely pulling on the heartstrings. <laughs> John, what about you? Do you have a character you want to throw out? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, so if it's, if it's the best team ever assembled in basketball history, I mean, are, are we drawing on historical basketball players? Like is Wilt Chamberlain going to be on the team? Oh, or, wow. <laughs> or, or are, are we talking about Looney Tunes characters who would make excellent, uh, who would make excellent basketball players? I, I'm certainly <laughs> intrigued. Uh, I don't know. I can't think of a single Looney Tune. I'm like that, that one is definitely good at basketball aside from Lola Bunny, who was canonically very good at basketball. So I think the Looney Tunes are going to be on the good side. They're going to be on the Tunes. Yeah. The Goon course, Squad is going to be made up of villains and characters that are not Looney Tunes that are okay. fighting against our beloved. What are your predictions? Because I know that you are. You probably have your predictions already. I I have a prediction, and I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, the mask. Jim oh. carries the mask. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good guess. I think that uh, that would be very formidable. And <laughs> I don't know if he's good at basketball, but he's good at uh, diversions and making people, you know, um, disassociate from what the goal of the game would be. <laughs> so definitely uh, that would be uh, that would be a different one. But uh, but definitely the um, the best team ever assembled like that. That is really wild. Like like to wrap your head around that and LeBron's gone up against a lot of really good teams in his career. So to say yeah. that, that means something. I think they're going to definitely bring some, some NBA stars. Um, maybe yeah. obviously. So I just, I mean, who's better than LeBron? I don't know right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he yeah, said it. For sure. best, so we'll see. Another two characters that were name dropped was Batman and King Kong are going to be courtside. So mm -hmm. that'll be fun to see. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, the loony, loony basketball, like antics on the, on the, on the court. Like you watch Space Jam right before this, and obviously there's like references to Pulp Fiction, and there's just all kinds of crazy, uh, crazy things going on on the court. So I can't wait to see how they up the ante in that respect. We were also given some more information about his family. So LeBron James, his on-screen family, will round out with Cedric Joe as his son, as his younger son, Sayer Wright as his a little bit older son, uh, Harper Lee Alexander as his daughter, and Sonequa Martin-Green as his wife, Camilla. And I just think that bringing the family element already heightens the stakes from what Michael Jordan did, um, where it was just Michael Jordan. Uh, but I love the fact that they're twisting it. And instead of Bugs Bunny asking an athlete for help. It is the athlete asking Bugs for help and using the Looney Tunes to help uh, save his son. I think I think that is a much richer 
dramatic storyline than what we had in the first Space Jam. And I'm excited to see that uh, come to fruition. One of the things that was offhandedly mentioned in this article was that Bucks Bunny will have been banished before the film begins. What? Why is Bugs Bunny banished? <laughs> well, I think Lola Bunny is going to be the star of this one. Okay. Um, I think she's going to be the, the best basketball player. Yeah. And I think they're going to give her the, the biggest, bigger role. And I'm excited about it, to be honest, because we need some female power in there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, let's, let's move into Lola Bunny then, um, because you mentioned it. Uh, so these pictures from the film came out. Uh, we have CGI and we have 2D. Um, what did everyone think of the 2D and CGI comparisons between Lola, Bugs, Tweety, and Sylvester that we got? I thought they did a really good job. Whenever you, whenever you try to make a 2D character uh, 3D, you really run a, an uncanny valley risk. And, and uh, they managed to avoid that here. Like the characters still look like themselves. They didn't pull a Sonic. They didn't just completely change the design to make it 3D. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they successfully brought the 2D design into a 3D space. Uh, the shadows don't look weird. They look like they actually kind of belong there and they do look like the characters we recognize. So I, mm -hmm. I, I, think, they did a good, I think they did a good job. If, if people are creeped out by it, I, I would be interested to hear, but I, I, I felt fine about it. Yeah, I, same. Go ahead. On, um, because it it honestly it gives homage to the 2D I feel like it doesn't take away from it mm. and I think they did a great job um, and I'm excited just to see them um, all of the characters um, to see how they they did all of them and it, I think from what we saw from the Entertainment Weekly article they look great absolutely I love Tweety's little like narrowed brow and he's like he's doing that angry face that we love and basically the Lola controversy is not so much with her CGI counterpart, but with her 2D drawing. And people are comparing that to how she looked like in the first Space Jam from 1996, which was on the heels of Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Jessica Rabbit and putting out there a female version of a male character that audiences will, I guess, latch onto for some material reasons and to sell merchandise for female audience goers primarily. But there was also people that fell in love with that design in more ways than one. And <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people. Um, so the controversy is that she no longer has sex appeal. And I would argue that, first of all, this is only one still. We haven't seen her in motion. Um, but it looks like uh, she is wearing more of athletic, appropriate clothing. Yeah. And it could be that is the reason why people are wondering why she doesn't carry herself in a different way. Also, like, the midriff isn't showing anymore. And she's wearing additional shorts. But regardless... I find this conversation to be uh, bemusing to uh, to the fans of the Looney Tunes franchise because I myself, I found Lola to be uh, suitable for bugs, but not suitable for me. Not, not somebody that a human should have like infatuation with. 
And for all these people on Twitter and the internet to have a big fuss about Lola's desexualization so that way she can be a stronger character. Um, there is, you know, a, a narrative to be had about that and let's have it. So um, what, what are your thoughts about the new character design and how it relates to what you imagine a Lola bunny should look like? Raina, we'll start with you. I honestly don't see much of a difference other than her chest not being as um, as out as it used to be. Um, and of course her clothing. I think personally, it's better that she has more suitable clothing in this day and age because little girls are watching this and kids are watching this and we have to keep that in mind. This isn't for adults. And I think people who grew up with it are like, well, they have those member berries and they want to remember back when Lola Bunny was a certain way. And I'm like, it's, I don't think in 2021 it is appropriate. I agree with the director's choice, honestly. And um, if anything, she could be wearing a sports bra because I am, I have a chest on me and I wear sports bras and when I work out. So that's the only difference is that she's not wearing a push-up bra. So, I mean, other than that, she looks the same to me and um, she still looks beautiful. Um, I'm excited to see her be a main character and not just a side character for eye candy. Um, yes. That's my main thing that I'm really, really excited about because I loved her as a character. I just felt like we didn't get enough of her. And I think hopefully in this um, iteration, we'll get uh, more. And I'm really excited about that. Well, to that point in the first Space Jam, she was a, a one-dimensional sex symbol. Mm -hmm. And until artists and creators like uh, Jessica Barutsky, Matt Daner, and the rest of the creative crew um, from Looney Tunes Laugh Riot, which turned into the Looney Tunes show, she didn't really have a personality. But it wasn't until that personality was brought about that she truly became a Looney Tunes character in her own right. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that mixed with the the journey that she's gone on so the history of lola is as thus lola joins the looney tunes in space jam in 1996 and then uh she goes on to appear in laugh riot which turns into the looney tunes show where she's voiced by Kristen wig and then she appears in the animated film rabbits run uh where she's cha changed voices again uh with rachel ramrus um, and then after that, she appears in new Looney Tunes cartoons where she returns to be voiced by Kath Saucy, who voiced her in Space Jam and will be voicing her again in Space Jam 2. And having these new artists take a hold of her, she's able to uh, become malleable in a way that she develops a personality, that she grows as a character, and that she's not somebody that if you know, she just has that one note of don't call me doll. Like she has to grow beyond that. And I feel like she has, but people know, people that know her from Space Jam don't know her entire journey. And so when they see her in a sequel to Space Jam, I'm putting quotation marks for listeners, um, <laughs> sequel, um, they're looking for the same Lola and you're not going to get it because she's gone through some changes. She's gone through multiple hands of creatives and people like Spike Brandt who really take care of this image of her and want her to grow. And that personality can be fun. And I'm really excited to see what they do with her. Uh, John, what do you think about her journey and like uh, where we think we'll find her in this movie? 
the the original is really rooted in sort of a, a, a 90s take on feminism where uh, you bring her in and we still ogle her and you know all the characters like even Tweety Bird is is ogling this this uh this character <laughs> Uh, and, and like, even in bugs is like never been sexualized before, like ever. And suddenly he's totally into the, it's, it, it, but then she proves hyper competent in basketball. And so therefore is worth respecting. It's a really bizarre take on, uh, respecting people in general, uh, that is very rooted in like how p culture worked in the nineties, how, how, how culture uh, presented these ideas in the nineties. Uh, and so I'm, I'm glad the characters evolved a little bit. Uh, and I'm, you know, I, I'm not, I, I I'm not going to judge people who got an attachment to the character. Uh, I'm not going to judge people who you know really enjoyed the more sexual aspects of her character because, like, I I I don't I don't know anyone who's a furry, but they're still people. So you know, whatever you enjoy is fine. But like, I I think it's probably good to emphasize more about the character than just her sexuality and and to bring new aspects to uh, who, who, how we see her and, and what she's capable of and, and what she can uh, do on screen. Uh, may, maybe she'll get some good jokes this time around. That'd be fantastic. And, and maybe Bugs 100%. won't- 100%. Yeah, yeah. And maybe Bugs won't give her a surprise kiss at the end that for some reason she's into, even though we've never seen any hint of that in the, in the history. Uh, <laughs> and so like, like uh, maybe we can get more to the character. And I, I think it, the, the giving her a, a more appropriate uniform uh, that someone would actually wear on a basketball court was a wise move on the producer's part. And so I, 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 I think it was smart. I, I think that I, I've got faith in uh, where else they might take the character. Uh, so I, I think it was a good call. Uh, despite what you might see uh, from others on Twitter, I think it was a good call. And I think her, her character is more developed. We can finally uh, see their relationship in a different light. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I love those points. And I totally agree that the 90s way of uh, looking at a, a female empowerment as opposed to today's is completely different. And I know that there are going to be some WNBA players that are either mentioned or in this movie as well. And to have them wearing similar garb that the female players on the team. And we also haven't talked about Penelope. Uh, Penelope is going to be on the team as well. Uh, she's the cat that uh, Pepe usually goes after, right. um, but she's, you know, suited up and she's wearing a Toon Squad shirt as well. So I'm glad that she's on the team. And I feel like the more women that can see themselves in this movie, the better. And to show a strong female character in this way is very important uh, for the female audience you're talking about, Reina, uh, definitely the kids and um, the young ladies in the audience. So. So yeah, all around, I think that this change is for the better. Um, I, I can't wait to see, you know, how the story comes to fruition and all of these little nuances that we have from the Entertainment Weekly article. And obviously Ryan Coogler is a part of this and he has never let us down story-wise. And I feel like he has a love for the characters. Just, um, if I may, I'm going to read one more quote. Uh, he said, early on in the story, uh, they centered on the reintroduction of Bugs, Lola Bunny, Daffy Duck, Tweety, and the rest of the Toon Squad. It was challenging to think about, but we were reminded very quickly why the Looney Tunes work. A smile comes across your face when they are on screen, because if you're from our generation, you miss them. That's why I started this podcast. I miss them. I wanted to talk about them. And if Space Jam 2 
brings together that love of these classic characters, then I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Um, just to quickly throw out as well, there were references noted of some of the worlds we might see being interacted with in the new, the new movie. Uh, that would include the world of Mad Max, The Matrix, Wonder Woman, and Casablanca. So there was another article that came out uh, that talked about a cut scene from the film. Now, here's the thing. Pepe Le Pew has been under fire before, and this is nothing new. Um, Whoopi Goldberg has a really great statement at the head of many of the discs in the Looney Tunes Golden Collection on DVD, which I own and I adore. They have really great special features. And Whoopi starts off the introduction to the classic shorts. Hello, I'm Whoopi Goldberg, and welcome to the Looney Tunes Golden Collection. Like many of you, I love cartoons, and I've been a fan of the Looney Tunes since I was a little kid. You know, the best thing about the Looney Tunes is that they represent us, each and every one of us. They're part of Americana, part of our mainstream culture. They become members of our families. I mean, you don't have to go far to find out how close to us they really are. Gracias, pussycats. However, the Looney Tunes and their irreverent brand of humor are products of their time. Unfortunately, at that time, racial and ethnic differences were caricatured in ways that may have embarrassed and even hurt people of color, women, and ethnic groups. Now, nobody intended it, but that's what happened. But to erase them would be like they never happened at all. And we can't learn from that. They held the shorts in a pristine condition and released them to audiences. It's that legacy that we learn from. Now, fast forward to cancel culture and 2018. You know, some of that is, um, I guess, justified. Well, some of it is justified because there are really bad people out there. Uh, but... <laughs> Um, Pepe Le Pew is not a person. Pepe Le Pew is a cartoon character. <laughs> and this is the same thing of people not doing the work. Uh, but let me just go into the article and then we can talk about it. So Deadline reported that Pepe Le Pew had a scene in the new Space Jam, A New Legacy, uh, directed by Terrence Nance. This was the first director before Malcolm D. Lee came on. So in this scene, Pepe is in the Casablanca world and... Grace Santo is there. Pepe makes an advance and Grace Santo's character slaps him and tells him off. This scene with this character, I felt could have gone over pretty well with the audience. And I think that using this character as a conduit to start a conversation with kids about how you have to be respectful of other people and you can't just go in and grope them obviously. Um, that is what the conversation would have allowed for because of Pepe being in this situation. However, this scene apparently was never animated fully and it was only shot and then disregarded uh, by the new director. And while that did uh, upset the actress involved and uh, some of the fans of Pepe, it was also revealed that Warner Brothers has no 
inclination of including Pepe in anything that is current with Looney Tunes or in the future, in the foreseeable future. So the, the conversation went from this, this scene was cut to, oh, Pepe Le Pew has been canceled. And this is the topic that we are here to talk about. It's, you go from one end of the spectrum of where audiences or people online are like, Lola needs to be sexualized again, to Pepe is a scoundrel and he, he needs to be put in his place. I mean, like, whoa, <laughs> the juxtaposition there is kind of crazy. So what is... What is your take, uh, Reina, on the Pepe Le Pew controversy? I honestly think that they shouldn't have deleted this scene, that it should have been a part of the film. Um, I think it is a moment to, a teachable moment for, you know, kids, because even I think LeBron afterwards says um, something about consent, you know, being, you know, and, and so it's it's about teaching kids about consent and being respectful. And why not put that in there? Um, and also, like, Pepe Le Pew is, <laughs> I think Penelope and anybody he chases after is always beating him up one way or another. <laughs> yes, he's always getting his comeuppance in the short he's in. Yeah, he's always getting his comeuppance. I don't think it's that controversial to keep him in, personally. I think it's a teachable moment, and I think that, that they lost um, – they lost an opportunity uh, by taking out the scene and maybe hopefully we'll get it in a, a deleted scenes or stuff like that. Some somewhere along the line. So we can in future Google it or YouTube it and find it somewhere. But it's, it just sucks that it, that it's not going to be a part of it. Yeah, opinion. totally agree. Uh, John, what are your thoughts? I, I thought the way the scene as described uh, in the piece you sent us was a really good scene. Uh, like heart, heart just, trigger warning Harvey Weinstein I, like Harvey Weinstein isn't dead he's still out there alive and facing the consequences of his actions and this scene showed us uh yeah Penelope's got a restraining order out on me like like Pepe's not doing well for his history of being grabby and not taking no for an answer and so if if the film was was going to have him come back and just resume being a, a rapey weird dude then yeah yeah smart smart to cut that scene but to have him face consequences and have an actress who's gone through this and like advocates for this be the one to put him in his place and be like, no, sir, you don't do that. That's not okay. That was a really good scene. I, I, I'm, I'm actually disappointed we're not going to see it. I think it would have been an effective way to handle the character. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not a film producer, so I, I, I assume there might have been some motive beyond just we're the Warner executives and we're just going to pretend he never existed and that's the end of it. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know. I, I. I. wish they'd left the scene in. To be honest, I wish they'd left it in. Same, and I agree with you. We will never know the full story of this uh, from the executive side, but just to color this correctly, it would have been in a scene taking place in a fictional world of Casablanca, where those issues stemmed from, and and also just the the aesthetic of Pepe Le Pew is already black and white. Like he fits right in, like <laughs> just aesthetically, it would have been pleasing to the eye. Um, <laughs> but yes, I completely agree about the disappointment of this scene not making it into the cut. As far as we know, um, Warner Brothers has not commented one way or another about if this is true or not, um, or if anything will change beyond what the cut is currently. So 
fingers crossed that what Raina said about it being in the deleted scene so we can watch it later, that, that would be great. You know, um, that way we as an audience member could still find it and then have that conversation with our kids if we chose to. And just so it is abundantly clear, this scene being cut had nothing to do with the article written by Charles M. Blow in the New York Times a couple years ago about how Pepe perpetuated the rape culture in his cartoons. It had nothing to do with that. This was completely different. And the fact that he's not showing up in future projects uh, in the foreseeable future is the current situation we're in. It has nothing to do with the response to that article. You. Hey. Why do you lock the... Oh, no. Control yourself, madame. You cannot be in earnest. <laughs> A joke, yes? <laughs> no. It is possible to be too attractive. So, because we're here talking about Pepe, I would like us to talk about the first appearance of Pepe in Adorable Kitty in 1945. I mean, and this is a Chuck Jones cartoon no written by Ted Hughes. Me. This beautiful cartoon gave us some real insights into this character, but also established some of the trademarks that he's known for, such as the really fun hop and the Carl Starling music that accompanies that hop and the the victim uh, being chased by Pepe running out of breath and the music doing that slow down tempo. And I, I just, I love that there were so many things. You know, I what I liked about it was like, Pepe didn't get away with it uh, in the old cartoons. Like, like it, it was, he wasn't rewarded for it. Like he was pushed away and like someone faked their death to get him to leave, leave him alone. And like, like all like, and, and his wife yelled at him and like, he got beat over the head with a club for being a weird dude who wouldn't take <laughs> over an answer. And, and yes, and, he has he has a wife and two kids in this, by the way. And in this short, his accent is put on, and it's fake. Uh, uh, just try, uh, just try. I thought it was a really funny cartoon, and I, I he got his comeuppance just like a, a heel in a in a in a story should. Uh, so, I, I as a first appearance, I thought it was great. Film critic Leonard Malton said that his favorite part of Pepe is the franlais, which is fake or phony French um, slashed with like French American language. And so that character aspect is really fun and also something that shows up in this very first short. I'm going to talk about the elephant in the room. I mean, it wasn't the, the cat he was chasing a male. So peaceful, so siren. No one to bother me. Uh -huh. Yes, he was. LGBTQ rap. Heck yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as a bisexual woman myself, I found it to be in very, very ahead of its time. <laughs> um, honestly, like 1947, and he was chasing another a boy cat, you know? Um, and I think that was progressive and, and, and awesome. And that, like, I, I, the, the, when you sent it to me, I was so surprised that I hadn't seen it sooner. 
Um, and I'm so happy that I got to because we we know now that he's part of the LGBTQ community. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had the skunk. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Love, love. And, you know, the, I think that's what's endearing about Pepe Le Pew is that he loves love. And I think that's kind of the sad it's sad that his character is getting canceled and I hope it doesn't. Me too. He, he could, uh, again, going back to the conduit thing, he could be a conduit for more conversations and yeah. more representation mm -hmm. if they wanted to go that route. I could totally see him going after male and female advanced, like cats or other animals. But I'm not a skunk. I'm just a little dog, see? The dog? But of course. But good, everything have turned out to the happy ending. For behold, I too am the K9. Bout, who, bout. who, you know, seen already in the new Looney Tunes, by the way. Yes, exactly. He goes after a fox in that. Yes. Um, so he's not species specific. He yeah, is, true. yeah. <laughs> love <laughs> is love, as you say, and. Mm. The, the moral of the story is basically, uh, not, not of this short, but of Pepe, love is universal and you can love whoever you want as long as you don't harm them. As a fan, you are more than welcome to love whatever you want. And that goes for Lola, that goes for Pepe. With this short in specific, I believe because we're, we're meant to sympathize with Claude, the cat that he's chasing, the cat has had a hard life. And when he disguises himself as a skunk, he then has other issues to worry about. And then he goes back to his life. And that moral is that you can't run from who you are. You just have to accept what you're given. This is the life. And live the best life you can. Um, I, that's the, that's what I took away, uh, from it. Did, did you guys? Fully. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, speak, speaking, you know, as a, as a non-binary person, we, we stand an androgynous icon. So I, I appreciate that the message of the cat, you know, being, yeah. uh, yeah, a, a little bit unclear, uh, so much that Pepe wasn't even sure. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I thought it was great. <laughs> And I do appreciate that that moral um, as well is just be who you are. You know, it's it's basically essentially what that short was telling you. Be um, don't don't hide who you are. Be who you are. Yeah, great. And there's there's this notion that um, Pepe is too handsy. Is is too much of a a like a, I'm going to go after you and and clean you and like not unlike Elmira who like hugs cats to death or hugs animals to death. Um, Pepe just wanted love. He just wanted to find a partner and that partner who they, who appeared as a skunk appeared as a fellow species was not. And that deception uh, never is fully realized in some of these cartoons where uh, Pepe discovers that they're a cat. Um, and in some of them that they do, that that does happen, Pepe is like, oh, have you seen this beautiful skunk I've been chasing? Like, where did they go? <laughs> so so there's always this ambiguity between the the writing of this character and what he actually wants. Um, there are other shorts where Penelope is fully attracted to Pepe. There's a, there's a scene in another short where Pepe gets uh, blue paint all over him 
and she sees the outline of his muscly skunk body walking down the street and she's like oh my god like I want to like hold you and like do he, basically she does all the things that Pepe does for her, but yeah. the tables have been turned and where's the outrage there? Mm. There isn't. Mm. So basically the, the conversation isn't that Pepe is seen as a promoting rape culture. The conversation is people aren't doing enough research into what we're actually talking about. And that is detrimental to fans of these characters or the thing that they are saying they're fans of. Whereas if you had actually done the research, you would see that there are multiple layers to this. And that's what we're here for. We did the research. We're here to present it to you. (laughs) And I also love the new Looney Tunes and how they present him as a spy. That's an interesting take on Pippin. Yes. Thank you, Reina. So let's go into his other iterations. Uh, I would like to spend a bit more time on on his first short, but just a quick tangent. We'll go into um, his spy career. So in Wabbit slash New Looney Tunes that debuted in 2015 and went to 2019, this series showed Pepe as a double agent, double agent Le Pew. And he is a suave, debonair, James Bond type that is... Um, distracted by the foxy she is a fox (laughs) claudette debris um who is an agent in herself they have a tussle in every up every short and that uh comes to head in pepe le pew affair uh which is a parody of the thomas crown affair uh where they're trying to kidnap a uh, or steal a crown wait a minute this is too easy a laser-guided alarm system. Luckily, I am a former bronze medal-winning Olympic gymnast. Who hasn't worked out in a long time? What the... Let go of the crown, skunk! But then, I would have to let go of two beautiful things. It's a really fun exploration of what this character could be in another setting, in another job. Um, so, Reina, what was it about th- this particular idea that struck you as oh this could work for pepe no i i really think it's a it's a cool take on pepe because you know he, he the first episode i saw him in was actually when he comes in on like these jet ski like a jet ski or a boat and um i forget the name of the episode but and he's a spy he's really cool he has his sunglasses he comes off of the boat and then he goes into the restaurant and and he's trying to act cool and then he sees the fox and he's like, oh my God. And honestly, it, it gets turned on its head at the end of it, where she's also a spy and she was stealing his information from him. Meanwhile, all he was trying to do the whole time is try to get her attention. And I think, you know, it, it's just cool because it, it gives him um, more than just being a love, like he, a, a person who loves love character. It's, it's something, it's a different layer. And I think it was cool and, and interesting. And, and I saw it with my niece and she loved it as well. <laughs> nice. Uh, John, did you get to watch any of the new Looney Tunes uh, shorts? I did. I, I was able to watch uh, Loon Raker and the Pepe Le Pew Affair. Uh, it, Loon, Loon Raker had some pretty good gags. I liked how Elmer Fudd's plan to freeze the world ended up helping fight climate change. I thought that was a, <laughs> that was a good gag. 
uh, the, the, uh, the, the message of, uh, of Loonraker also seemed to be, this is a weird message to send to kids in my opinion, uh, that, that not taking no for an answer can actually pay off. Uh, just, ju just in case, uh, you know, maybe you should keep being persistent just in case the person you're pursuing ends up in danger and gets damseled and then you can swoop in and rescue her and look like the hero. Uh, <laughs> like that is a weird message. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a cartoon. It is kind of jokey. And like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how, how that influences a kid. I'm far from an expert, you know, child psychology. I don't know if they even remember it 10 minutes later. They probably, I like, I, I don't know. I, I legitimately don't know. Uh, but I, I would probably hesitate to endorse it if I'm the SMP person in, par in charge of clearing this script. I'd be like, ah, let's not damsel the fox. Let's make her, let's make her competent and not reliant on, on uh, Pepe for success. And she's very confident in the Pepe Le Pew affair. Yeah. I feel like uh, she holds her own against him in many ways. Agreed. Yeah. And, and he tries to foil her mission and runs off with the crown and she successfully tracks him down and gets it back from him and completes her mission. Uh, and then he says the creepy ass line, if you love someone, set them free. But if you really love someone, plant a tracking device on them. That was creepy. <laughs> it's, that cre it's creepy as hell. Uh, <laughs> I was deeply uncomfortable with the laugh line ending the episode. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I was yes. with that one too. And also, um, I guess she needed space when she shoots him into space in the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was great. I agree. That was, that was a funny one, but the last one I was like, uh, what? <laughs> what could be seen as a problematic natured character could be used for good in teaching lessons and teaching these. The moral, the morality of what kids need to take away from these and, and everything like that uh, could be strong, stronger with him involved if the writing is you know on par with what we're going for. And I feel like taking him away, taking just taking his essence out of the cartoons really strips the storytelling of what it could be. And that to me is detrimental or could be to future cartoon watchers, cartoon fans, and people like us. I'm gonna go back. Adorable Kitty, uh, the first ever appearance of Pepe. I felt, I, so I, I gotta say this. So Pepe was, basically a parody of an actor of the time as many of these were uh bugs bunny is clark gable's character and it happened one night uh mixed with a few other comedians um senator claghorn was a character that foghorn leghorn is based on and charles boye another fun note was uh pepe lamoco is the film where pepe got his name off of uh, pepe lamoco is a french film and that film was remade in America by Warner Brothers called Algiers. In Algiers, Charles Boyer is the Pepe character, but not called Pepe. But in the original, he's called Pepe. I saw Pepe Lamoco in college and I was like, oh, that makes sense. And then you watch the characterization and it's nothing like Pepe at all. But his character in Algiers is a little bit more like Pepe. It's really random. Like to get to that, it's like jumping through like 15 hoops. And you're like, you're doing a jigsaw puzzle at the same time. You're like, wait, a remake inspired a character, but the name is from the original in France. Like what? <laughs> Charles Boyer was a French, I believe he's French American or American actor that he put on this 
uh, debonair and suave approach to women and women just fell for him. And so the Looney Tunes creators back then were like, oh, we're going to parody this archetype and give somebody who is persistent in love, but never finds it, like never is able to, to really capture the love that he has, that this Charles Boyer had on screen. And I feel like that's not, a, that's not a part of the conversation either. We're not talking about parody here, but we should be because of Looney Tunes. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be talking about it when Space Jam 2 comes out because they're doing parodies of the Matrix, of Mad Max, of, of all these worlds. It's inherent in the franchise. And I feel like if parody goes away and satire has gone away, what are we going to be left with? Like that, I guess that's a bigger conversation. Do you have any insights or do you want to put any exclamations on uh, any of those ideas? I, I, I do know a, a fair amount of, of uh, I'm not accusing anyone here of doing this, but uh, bad faith commenters who will, who will do uh, something heinous and then be like, it's okay because it's satire. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, uh, obviously you want to stay away from like, you know, an alt-right person sneaking onto your staff and writing those jokes into your script. But I, I, I don't think we've, we've quite hit that here. I, I think being mindful of the conversation the world is having, uh, is possible while still making, uh, a character like Pepe Le Pew funny and even using the cultural conversation as like, like Space Jam tried to do. Uh, as a way to uh, make it make it relevant and, and make it still good while also showing that that's not an okay way to be. Uh, is that that answer the question? Yeah, that, that sure. totally fits. Also, I also think that, um, sorry, I also think that uh, it would be cool to see him on a date and that go awry. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. totally. You know what I mean? Maybe like it, it's a yes a date if finally he gets and that just goes bad. And so he never, he, he's unlucky in love at the end regardless. So it could be still your unlucky in love. You don't have to just chase a, a, the same characters around like Penelope or anything like that. You can still, you can finally get the date and then when it happens, everything's a mess. And that happens in real life too, so. Exactly. It'd be fun and cute to watch and um, to show his unlucky in loveness. I mean, it happens to all of us. Um, we've all been unlucky in, in love once or twice in our lives. Who knows? But um, it'd be nice to see him uh, be on a date and do something different and not just do the same thing. To be exactly. honest. Exactly. The, the comedy of Pepe actually comes based on the, the Casanova uh, archetype of his character and his commitment phobia. If you actually watch the cartoons, like by the end of them, like if the tables were to be turned on him, he'll run for dear life because he's afraid of the commitment of actually being with one person or, or you know, like anything like that. Like you, you can, there's so many ways that you could adapt him and have a, have a really nice conversation after a, one of his shorts that also made you laugh. And, you know, he gets his comeuppance every short par for the course there's a lot of suicide attempts in these <laughs> but um his his attempts aren't always successful and the the ramifications that happen to him uh i guess for a layman they don't stick and so there nothing really happened if you will um but we see like the 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 pain and like the hurt that happens to him and it's funny because it's happening to him and we learn from that you know, I don't think there's anybody out there that watches a Pepe Le Pew cartoon and be like, oh, that's how I should attract women. I think you're right about it. Yeah. 
I think it's the opposite. Honestly, you're like, oh, you don't want to do what he's doing. You know, like, I think that's honestly what I took away from it as a, as a kid, you know, watching these tunes. True. Yeah. Cat seems super not into it. Yeah. Yeah. I brought up the mask earlier, Stanley Ipkiss, Jim Carrey's character in that movie. He watches cartoons. We see that at the beginning of the movie. And then whenever he, he puts on the mask, he turns into this sexual, de- sexual deviant. Is it fate? Is it meant to be? Is it written in the stars that we are destined to fraternize? I'd like to think so. Kiss me, my dear. And I will reveal my croissant. I will spread your pâté. I will dip my ladle in your vicious walls. See, it's a coy. I love it. Especially in the in the wood scene. And he's, you know, debonair, but he's like a fake debonair debonair. And it's wrong. But like we never saw Stanley Ipkiss act that way. So mm-hmm. bigger conversation to be had i guess we can all relate to the persistent and love aspect of it we all want somebody to love us we all go after one person or another when we ask them out on a date when we court them to the prom when we just when we show our affection in a mild way that is you know that is a little bit of what pepe really wants but pepe is taking it to the nth degree which is because they're trying to make it funny and you're are you saying by canceling pepe that love isn't funny love can't be funny i mean we have rom-coms they're funny totally be funny (laughs) i just i'm trying to wrap my head around why all of these pitchforks are out for this character who potentially could be a really saving grace in some of these morality tales that we just haven't gotten yet. But I digress. Uh, Pepe Le Pew has showed up in the game, The World of Mayhem, Looney Tunes World of Mayhem. It's a mobile app game. You can download it on your iOS devices. You can download it on Google Play. Really fun game, RPG, Looney Tunes. Go out and get it. Um, In the game, uh, Pepe Le Pew has been reimagined in a few different ways that I found really fun. One is Elabard. He is a musical-inclined skunk uh, who accompanies people on quests and missions and stuff like that um, by playing music. And the other one is Phantom Le Pew, which is a take on Phantom of the Opera with Pepe Le Pew. Both of these would have been really funny to see in the 40s or 50s uh, with that character. Um, but even today, there's nothing stopping them from doing... A, a new rendition on this character in these formats. Would you love to see like a Phantom Le Pew in the cartoons? Uh, yeah, I mean, sure. Uh, obviously, we, we'd want to take into consideration uh, all the things we've been talking about. But yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, 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 I think retiring the character altogether uh, isn't as useful as using him to show, you know, yes, this stuff is funny. And like, if you're a hopeless romantic, you know, try, try to be charming and not a creep. Uh, and and I, I think there are ways to do that and, and using that character. That's the right character to use to send that message. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it. Uh, I, seeing I would it. argue he's the only character. He is, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally is. In this universe, sure, yeah. A hopeless romantic character that we all love um, for different reasons. And, I mean, like, 
I, I would love um, to see him as a musician or as a musician myself. That'd be really cool. Um, Cause you know, musicians, we, we sometimes use, you know, our love life in art form. Um, so it's cool, or it would be cool to see him as a musician or even as a fan. I would love that. That would be super dope if it could be possible. I mean, again, I'm, I'm ready to see more of him and I, I do miss his character and seeing the, the new Looney Tunes uh, really, really made me miss him even more. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I I agree with those sentiments uh, wholeheartedly. And um, just one other name I wanted to throw out there is Gary Hurdle. Um, and it was his idea to bring him back as a secret agent. Uh, so we have him to thank. Thank you, Gary, for never giving up on this character. <laughs> as we will never give up on this character. That is adorable kitty that is pepe um one other announcement uh that we had it was a reveal of who's doing the voice of speedy gonzalez uh in space jam a new legacy and that is gabriel iglesias aka fluffy uh who is a really funny comedian and will be providing that voice for us so speedy has made the cut and will be in this film there are people a lot of hispanics in mexico that love and cherish speedy as a hero and so in the 40s, this is what they were given. Uh, this is what uh, the Hispanic culture was given as a hero. And over time, it has become embraced. Uh, but there are a lot of younger generations that see the problematic nature of him and his writing back then. And they feel that he should, I don't want to say can't be canceled like Pepe, but feel he needs to be updated in a fun way. Uh, now, he was updated in Looney Tunes show. Uh, just as Lola was. Um, and he was the owner of a pizzeria. And I felt like that was fun. Uh, but Raina, I wanted you to say something about this as well, if you wanted to, uh, just the the character and, and what you think of him uh, and this controversy going on around him. Well, I am Hispanic. I'm from Puerto Rico. Um, I, I loved him as a character, honestly. I didn't you know, when we're little, we don't see the the aspects that might be considered racist, you know? Um, and I really didn't see him as a bad character. If anything, I saw him as a badass. And I, I mean that in the most genuine way, because he was, he was kind of like a Robin Hood in a sense of yeah. like, you know, helping his people. And so I, that's why it's hard for me to see him as a bad character or as something that should be or a character that should be canceled to begin with, because he did a lot of good. And he was a, a hero in a way. So if he did something, if he was bad or did something bad, then I think it'd be a different thing. If he was like a cartel leader, then, yeah, that's not a good, you know, that's a stereotype that needs to be canceled. Yeah, yeah. To say that, you know, he was giving cheese to, to his community or he was, you know, doing stuff that was positive. I don't think that's necessary. And we're just having a little bit more representation. And I know I'm not Mexican, but I personally feel that we need even more representation, even in, in Looney Tunes. Everywhere. Everywhere. It's important everywhere, especially yeah. where, where kids are seeing. And Looney Tunes is a brand that is definitely uh, rebranding themselves to go for a preschool audience in Bugs Bunny Builders, the newly announced uh, programming that will be coming out later this year, early next year. Do we want Speedy in that? I would say, yeah. And I mean, again, he's a hero and it's, it's, he doesn't do anything that is really not inherently bad. 
So if he right. was doing something bad, then of course, yes, then it shouldn't be. But he hasn't done anything bad. So I don't see why the cancel culture thing is happening, to be honest. That's just my personal opinion. I might get some backlash on it, but whatever. John, what about you? Uh, any thoughts? Uh, I, I would defer I, being a, a white uh, cis-passing man. I, 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 I try to abstain from anything that I, I don't want to take up space in other people's spaces. Uh, but Speedy does always outsmart his foes, and I think that's nice. Uh, like... I, I, I think you could stretch the cheese metaphor and be like, what's he really smuggling? And that's, I think at that point you're kind of reaching because it's cheese. Like you eat cheese, it's food for your family and friends. Uh, it, like, I think you're, you're reaching and like trying to make it worse than it is if, if you want to make him out to be some kind of like, if you, but anyway, that's all that, all that to say, if, if people in the community had a problem with it, I would defer to that and say, well, then that, then that's, that makes sense. And I'm going to respect that. Uh, is is how I try to handle. Jonathan, can you um, shed a little bit of light on what specifically um, they have a problem with, or what's been like the issues that they that has been addressed? The issues are that Speedy is the only one capable of getting cheese for everybody because everybody else is a lazy uh, stereo, like using a stereotype to uh, look at. Mexicans, in a way, I don't want to, I don't want to step on any toes or anything. Like that. This, is, this is this is what I've read. Hot button topic, especially. I mean, the Mexicans are more like the hardest workers I know. Like again, yeah, forties stereotype. Like, yeah, yeah. And again, even if it's like even Speedy, he he does something that's good for the community as a whole. It doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily mean he is a bad person or he's a, he's a cartoon he's a fictional character and i think we also need to remember that and i think a lot of people are just forgetting that these are cartoons <laughs> they're yes. not actual people and they you know we're in this cancel culture where we're canceling people and i get it's rightfully so some people really really do deserve it but these are cartoons and yes we can modify and make them different and better and updated so they're not just stereotypes and i agree with that and i think we have to keep that in mind let's just do better as i think they're doing for lola bunny as i think um i hopefully think they'll be doing for pepe and hopefully crossing my fingers because we don't even know what's going to happen with that and that they'll do for speedy and and speedy is a fun uh character and he's and he's loved he's beloved just like all the rest of the characters we've been talking about today. Absolutely. Uh, I, and I, I love Speedy as well. And I, I love that he's going to be showing up uh, voiced by this phenomenal comedian in this film. I think casting a, 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 an Hispanic actor to play Speedy was a, a smart move on the studio's part. Uh, and I, I, I think it's a better move than what The Simpsons did with Apu. They could have brought in an Indian to voice Apu and they just were like, well, if Hank Azaria can't voice him, we're just going to, he's not, he's not just going to be around anymore. Uh, so yeah, I, I think, I think, I, I think they're trying to be sensitive. I think they're trying to listen and try to do something, um, more, uh, in line with what people want, which I, I think, I think is just smart business and, uh, smart, smart art making. And I want to see him play some basketball. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to see him play ball. Like, he's come on, he's, he's the fastest. He's yeah. going to, he's going to kill on the court. Come on. <laughs> Absolutely. If, if I do say um, something problematic here or, or, or step out of bounds, please cancel me immediately here on the air so that I don't have to bear the anticipation of like what's going to happen to me. Uh, I, I, I definitely don't want to upset anybody. So 
please keep me in mind if I if I step out. No, no, yeah, you're great. You're great. <laughs> I mean, I think also it's like we need to allow the space to talk. It's freedom of speech. And everybody has their own ideas, their own opinions, and 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 it's okay to have that. And we're not always going to be right. That's why I don't believe um, cancel culture is 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 a hundred percent right either, um, because you know times change and we're changing with the times. And I hope that this is just a sign of the times that things are going to get better. A hundred percent, absolutely. I think as long as we're trying not to contribute to harm, it's a big step in the right direction. Uh, and uh, the problem comes yeah. when we don't care if we've done harm, I, I think, uh, I, in my opinion. No, I agree. We definitely need to care and think carefully before we speak. Yeah, totally. Um, and uh, I, I, if you'll bear with me, I, I do have one more quote uh, from the Entertainment Weekly article um, that I wanted to bring up, which is related to Lola and her, her presence in the movie. Malcolm D. Lee uh, watched Space Jam for the first time in 2019, and Lee was caught off guard by the original, very sexualized depiction of Lola. Uh, this is 2021, he said. It's important to reflect the authenticity of strong, capable female characters. The girls' trip filmmaker also said that uh, they wanted to rework Lola, and she's still going to be the not the best player on the team that's not LeBron. Um, I feel like representation is very important. I feel like making sure that these characters evolve in in light of past aggressions and things that we can actually learn from is important. And I feel like if you love something back then and you see that it's problematic, wouldn't you want to continue loving it in its new version that isn't problematic? Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I agree 100% with you. So I'm really happy that the director and Ryan Coogler and all the producers are taking the time with this project and putting out something that I feel like kids and adults are really going to like. And it's going to be throwback to what we love about Looney Tunes, but also progressive in ways. And I feel like that's important uh, in today's time. So um, <laughs> uh, one other segment that I wanted to cue you in on is that I want to do... Uh, I taught, I taught a tweet. This is where I found tweets on the internet that I felt were really cool and related to the topic of discussion. Uh, so I'm going to read them on air right now. Um, this one is from at Harper Dixon. We can't be holding Pepe Le Pew to a higher standard than New York Governor Cuomo, can we? <laughs> wow, that's genius. <laughs> Bravo. Yes. Yes. And uh, this is at Girl Caddy, um, at Boomerang Tunes. I will unsubscribe if you remove any Pepe Le Pew cartoons from your stream. Parents need to do their jobs and talk to their children. Most learned bad behavior is learned from within the household, not a cartoon. So uh, these are sentiments that I found online that matched what we're talking about. And I felt that it was important to highlight the conversation that is happening outside of this podcast and bring in a little bit of the world so that a way we can comment as well and give you a voice if you if you wanted it. By including tuned in, T-O-O-N-E-D-I-N in your tweet so it's easy to find. Thank you, Raina. Thank you, John, for being on this show. Raina, where can people find you online and where can they listen to your music? 
Well, under at Raina Moore Music on Instagram and all the social platforms, including Twitter, as you were just talking about, um, or RainaMoreMusic.com. But I'm also a part of a duo band called Willowcrest, and we're Willowcrest Music. Well, I'm on Spotify, and so is Willowcrest. We have one single out. It's called Look at Me. Check it out. Awesome. It's really good, guys. Check it out. All right, John, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me personally on Twitter at John Carmack. Um, I, I spend most of my time working on, Jonathan, you're familiar with the project, Vegify. Uh, so you can find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash Vegify. That's where I post all the work I'm doing lately uh, when I'm not streaming video games on Twitch to hang out with my, with my kid brother. And you can check out uh, all the videos that we've compiled for Vegify over at vegify.app. Uh, yep. Check it out if you want some really cool recipes for some veganized meals. And they're really good, even if you're not vegan, by the way. I agree. I concur. Every little <laughs> bit helps. And you can find great. me. <laughs> you can find me at The Dark Pilgrim on Twitter. And you can find the podcast at This Means Pod on, pod, on Twitter. And This Means Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We have a Facebook. We have a Patreon at patreon.com backslash This Means Podcast. And you can find me everywhere talking about Looney Tunes if you want. And I'm happy that I could bring this conversation to a happy close with Pepe and Speedy and everything going on with Lola. If you have thoughts, please put them in the comments below. This will eventually be on YouTube as a tie-in video uh, to the podcast, uh, but the podcast will be going up this week. So as always, that's not all folks. I am the broken heart of love. I am the disillusioned. I am wished to enlist in the foreign legion so I may forget. Take me. De moi l'énorme diplôme. Pepe le pew. A pitiful case, am I not? The arms of Pepe are about you all the day live long. Pepe's love is strong.